0: What's up, everybody? Great to see you guys. Thanks for coming out this morning. Great to see you all. Hey, my name is uh, Mike, in case we never met, and it's always a thrill for me to get to stop by the crossing from time to time and and teach. I want to welcome uh, West Henderson Campus and those of you that might be joining us online. And very soon, the crossing Midtown, led by our very own Nate Johnson, who I'm super proud of. Uh, Watched that kid grow up. Um, How many of you are uh, on social media regularly? How many would say like daily? You check it daily. How many hourly? How many write like right now? Okay. Do you follow people like on Instagram, uh, uh, Twitter? You, you can you can follow me if you'd like at Mike Bro. Uh, but once you figure out that I don't have a whole lot to say, you can just hit the button that says unfollow. It's real simple. That's all you got to do. In fact, I've been doing it for the past couple of years. When, when, when somebody posts some you know, political rant or, or they do the self-serving stuff or maybe a hate-filled post or, or, or something that's uh, uh, you know, highly inappropriate, I just hit unfollow. It's super, super simple. I just don't follow that person anymore. I don't, I don't want to follow a person like that. It's super easy. Just hit the button. Well, we're, we're in this series where we're looking at some of the miraculous things that Jesus did that were signs affirming who he was. And we've been hanging in a book called The Gospel of John, written by Jesus' best friend, a guy named John, who says to us, Listen, if you're gonna follow somebody, you need to follow Jesus, not just as like a social media follow, you really need to like follow him because I'm telling you, there is nobody else like him. I have seen and heard so many incredible things. There's no way I can have all the space to write down all the things I want to write down. But these are written down so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that you may believe, by believing, you may have life in his name. John would later write four other books. They're in the back of the New Testament. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and the book of Revelation, and in 1 John, he writes how he was forever changed by his relationship with Jesus. He says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes. We, we touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then was revealed to us, and we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Here's John saying to us, you've got to get to know this guy, because we're not making any of this stuff up. We saw him. We heard him teach like no one else has ever taught. We, we, we touched him. We, we saw the calluses on his, on his hands from working years as a Palestinian carpenter. We, we hugged his rugged body. We sat around campfires. We laughed together. We cried together. We ate together. We told jokes together. We listened to stories. We prayed together and sang together. I'm telling you, he is the greatest person you will ever meet. In fact, he is life. He's eternal life. You're looking for somebody to follow. You need to follow this man because we saw him do so many incredible things. We watched him turn water into wine, make crooked legs straight. We saw him restore sight to the blind. We watched him drive out demons. We even watched him calm a storm. He called a dead man out of a tomb. And you should have seen this one time. And he writes about it in John chapter 6. So if you've got a Bible, you've got an app that you use, we'll put it on the screen as well, and we'll go through this story. And I quickly want to go through the story, but I really want to focus on the seldom told story after the story. So John chapter 6, here's the scene. Jesus is on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And there's a whole bunch of people, like thousands of people that were tracking with him because of all the things that they had heard and all the things that they had seen. And Jesus is sitting on this hillside, and he sees this huge throng of people coming out to him. And so he says to one of his guys, a guy named Philip, he goes, where are we going to buy enough bread to feed all these people? And it says in verse 6 that Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. He just wanted to engage Philip in the process. And Philip shoots back. He goes, feed them. Excuse me? Do you see how many people there are? It would take like a half a year's wages to, to, to buy enough bread to feed all these people, and then we'd only have like enough for everybody to get one, like one little bite. Are you kidding me? Feed them? Well, it seems like another one of his disciples, a guy named Andrew, was kind of eavesdropping on the conversation. And he says, hey, I've, I found a little kid here with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but <laughs> there's no way that's going to feed everybody. And here it is. Jesus says, Tell everybody to sit down. And so they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves and he gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. Incredible. Incredible. Then he tells his guys to gather up all the leftovers, and they come back with 12 basketfuls, perhaps one basket per guy, as a personal reminder of of who it was that they had chosen to follow. Then verse 14, when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we've been expecting. Talking about the much-anticipated promised Messiah. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. You know, one of the things I, I love about Jesus is that he never fed his ego. He never caved to the popularity polls and give the people what they wanted. He would often slip away and refocus his heart so he could give them and all of us what we needed. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Over and over, Jesus would fight the temptation to choose comfort and fame, and he would find the resolve to go through with God's plan, which was to lay down his life, to be a king on a cross, dying for the sins of the world. That's why he came. But that's not what they were looking for. They wanted a political Messiah. They wanted an economic savior. They were looking for a military conqueror who would come and just squash Rome. And after this, they get thinking, this guy might be the one because we've never seen anything like this. We've always heard that there's no such thing as a free lunch, but apparently there is. Let's make him our king because, you know, we, we, would definitely, we would definitely follow a guy like that. Well, the story begins by saying that large crowds were following Jesus, but the word used there for following doesn't mean like devoted follower of Jesus. The word just means they were kind of tagging along the crowd was caught up in the hype. They were like jumping on the Jesus bandwagon. They just wanted him to be their meal ticket. And Jesus knew it. So it says, after the miracle of feeding them, he sends the 12 to the boat with their 12 baskets of leftovers. And he tells them, you guys head head across the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum and I'll catch up later. And that night he does catch up as he actually walks across the water to their boat, totally freaks them out. And one of them, Peter, gets to experience at least for a few fearful steps what it's like to really follow Jesus and trust him. It was quite a night, and that's another story for another time. But the next day, Jesus is teaching at the local synagogue, and the jump on the bandwagon crowds find him. Now, there's no internet, there's no social media, there's no CNN or Fox News, but word is traveling fast. So the people in the crowd crowd around him and they say, hey, Jesus, do that thing you do. In fact, it's, it's getting close to lunch. Could, could you do that? You know, that that, that that thing you did with the fish and the bread, Could do that again. Yeah, do, do some miracles. Could you just, just give us a sign? And Jesus sees this as a teaching moment. And he says in verse 26, I'll tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. Listen, don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy instead seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me his seal of approval. Why don't you really follow me? You ever get cravings? Anybody, any, any of you ladies when you're pregnant get weird cravings? My wife, Debbie, craved great popsicles. I don't know why, but she had weird cravings. Sometimes I'll get a craving for like pizza or, or I'll get cravings for popcorn. Sometimes I'll get a craving for like chips and salsa or a Snickers because it satisfies. But is there anything really that you can eat? Is there anything that you can actually buy or experience that will ultimately satisfy you and make you go, you know what, I will never need anything else? Well, here Jesus is saying, well, yes, in fact, there is. I can give you food that will last forever. Now, of course, Jesus is talking about deep soul satisfaction. He's talking about the spiritual hunger that all of us have on the inside. He's talking about eternal life. But they, like we do, are just thinking about another free lunch. Verse 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He says, I am the bread of life that has come down from heaven. And the crowd starts to murmur. They go, What? No, you're not. Like, we know your folks. Joseph's your daddy, not God. You're Jesus of Nazareth. You're J.C. from the block. I, I, bought, a, I bought like a bookshelf from, from, from you years ago. I remember you and your dad framing a house in our neighborhood. You expect us to believe that you actually came down from heaven? So knowing that they were only looking at him as their meal, as, as their meal ticket, Jesus kind of cranks up the what the heck factor, and he starts talking about spiritual bread and spiritual drink, and he starts talking about what was to come, the cross, the cross where his body would be broken and his blood would be spilled for the sin of everybody. Check out what he says. He says, I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. You might remember how your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. God actually gave them physical bread. But you know what? They all eventually died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I offer so the world may live is my flesh. And then he closes by saying, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise them up in the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. And the people go, what? Excuse me? Did you just say eat my flesh and drink my blood? Verse 60, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And the people started to grumble like, This is way too weird. Sure, he's the most incredible teacher we've ever heard. Sure, he works miracles. I mean, the lame can walk, and the blind can see, and the deaf can hear, and the lepers are cleansed, and even demons run. Plus, a bunch of us just saw him take a little kid's fish McNuggets and biscuits and feed the whole crowd. But now all this talk about coming down as bread from heaven, coming from the Father, saying that His ble- saying, "Eat my flesh and drink my," you know what? I don't think he's going to feed us again today, is he? This, this is just getting way too weird. And you know as the crowd begins to grumble, the 12, Jesus' closest followers, are starting to panic. They're thinking, "What? come on, Jesus, don't don't lose this following that you've worked so hard to build. Jesus, come come here. We need to chat for a second. Excuse us, everybody. Jesus will be right back. Bartholomew is going to play some music, and Nathaniel and and Simon are going to take your drink orders. We're just going to take a brief intermission. We all had an unbelievably crazy night last night. Nobody slept, including Jesus. Uh, We'll be right back. And you know they wanted to take him aside and say, what are you doing? you're losing the crowd. All this work you've put in, all these people, all this momentum. Jesus, your popularity polls are off the chart right now. You had them where you wanted them. You had them literally, literally eaten out of your hand. You're, 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 you're building your kingdom here. You're building your political empire here. Come on, just feed them again. What's the big deal? You have the power. Anyway, that's what politicians do. Just like walk on the water for them like it did for us. Jesus, you're losing the crowd. And besides all that, just want to remind you, you got enemies. The crowd is the only thing that has kept the Pharisees from taking you out. They're afraid of how much the people adore you. This crowd is our only buffer. We lose their protection and we're all in trouble. Now, we don't know whether they actually said any of that, but you know they wanted to. Because their hopes were pinned to this guy. They had left everything to follow him. You, see, you know their minds had to be swirling. Verse 61, Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Does this bother you? This this, this too much for you all? He says to the crowd, I, I know that you've been following me, not because you sense the supernatural activity of God in your midst, but because I fed you. When your hearts reveal that you have no desire to see the real miracle in that God has actually come down to be with you, to free you, to save you, to rescue you, to forgive you, to give you eternal life, you're just looking for another temporary free meal. And one of the saddest verses, I think, in the entire New Testament, verse 66, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They decided to hit. Unfollow. Hey, Jesus, been fun. Love all the miracles. Love all the free dinners, all the healings. You know, for a minute there, you had us kind of going. We kind of hoped that you might be our king, but all this crazy talk about you coming down out of heaven and you and the Father and sin and flesh and blood and death, we, we can't go there with you. Sorry to do this, but Unfollow. And, gang, I'm telling you, if you haven't already been there, there's going to come a time in your life when you will be tempted to hit the unfollow Jesus button too. It's when the miracles don't come. It's when the prayers feel unanswered or when pressure mounts and life gets really, really hard and you're tempted to say, you know what, I I think I'm done. Yeah, I think I'm done with following Jesus. I've been there. And you know the 12, as they're watching the crowds turning to leave, they're thinking too, well, obviously the majority must be right. Maybe we should unfollow too. And so Jesus turns to his guys and says, you don't want to leave too, do you? You know their heads had to be down shuffling their feet. They're nervous. They're taking deep breaths. They don't to do with their hands. You, you guys aren't thinking what I think you're thinking, are you? You're not thinking about leaving too. And I'm telling you, That question is so relevant for you and me because there really is, there really is going to come a day. And I don't know, it might be during a time of some kind of transition maybe from junior high to high school or high school to college or when you join a fraternity or a sorority and you're sitting in a class and a professor starts making fun of you because you believe all these religious fairy tales or it's when you take a new job. And you move to a new town and all of a sudden you're surrounded by new people who don't believe the same thing you believe about God, about Jesus, about life. In fact, in that new environment, it's not cool at all to believe. And I'm just telling you, in those moments, you're going to feel so alone and so isolated, you're going to think about hitting unfollow. Or, or it's going to be when you finally get that invitation to the wild party where everybody's getting wasted or that crazy spring break trip you've always heard so much about, in those moments you're going to get thinking, you know what, Jesus is just kind of getting in the way. He, he is so stinking inconvenient. I mean, faith is such a drag. He's, he's, in fact, he's what's keeping me from experiencing so much fun and so much freedom. And even though there's a whole bunch of us who want to scream because we've been there, oh, man, come on, don't, don't, fall, don't fall for those lies. We learned the hard way that only Jesus brings real freedom and real fun and real fullness to life. Still, in those moments, you're going to be tempted to hit the unfollow button. Well, maybe it's during a tough time in your life. You're going through some hard stuff where the cancer isn't healed and the miscarriages keep happening. and You feel like God isn't close and you feel like God's not answering your prayers at least the way you expect him to. And instead of trusting his heart for you and leaning into him for strength and peace that he gives, instead of resting in the promise of hope in heaven in those moments, you'll be tempted to hit unfollow. And I'm just telling you because I've been there. And I'll also tell you in those moments, Jesus will look at you with eyes of unfailing love and he will whisper into your spirit, you're not thinking about leaving too, are you? He asked guys like Peter and James and John and Andrew and Matthew, he goes, is this too costly for you guys? Is this too hard? You, you're thinking about checking out. You, you want to bail too? You want to go do your own thing? Are you thinking what I think you're thinking? You, you want to unfollow me too? And in this moment, it's Peter who often blurted out the wrong thing at the wrong time, gets it right this time. And his question is a question that you and I will have to come back to time and time again during those times of transition and temptation and trauma when we're about to bail on the whole following Jesus thing. Simon Peter answered him. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus, where else are we going to go? I mean, who else is there? We've seen way too much. For starters, you just fed 5,000 people with two fish and a few loaves of bread. We have 12 baskets of leftovers in the boat. And then you walked over here on the waves. I even walked out to you last night and you rescued me from drowning. You speak truth like no one we've ever heard. You embody love and compassion like nobody we've ever seen. You include everybody. You always keep your word. I've already scrolled through all the options. To whom shall we go? And gang, before you and I would ever walk away from following Jesus, we got to ask the same question. To whom shall we go? Where else? What else? Who else? Peter says, you have the words of eternal life. Nobody else can give us that. You invited us to live forever. Nobody else can do that. I don't quite understand Jesus, all the eat my flesh, drink my blood stuff yet, but I'm sure I will someday. But I do believe that you are the bread of life that came down from heaven so that we could live forever. And Personally, Jesus, I'll never forget the day when you stopped by the beach and James and John and Andrew and I were fixing our nets and you invited us into an adventure that was much bigger than our lives. You invited all of us to play a small part in the grand epic story of God. You invited us to live a life of passion and purpose. You even told us that we could be history makers. So where else are we going to go? Yeah, sure. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's confusing. And I still don't understand your strategy. I don't get the way you're going to pull off this whole kingdom on earth thing or what that kingdom's even going to look like, but leave, walk away, unfollow you. No way. To whom shall we go? Gang, you and I have been invited to follow the savior of the world the maker of the universe, the one who holds the keys to life and death, the one who came back from the dead. He is the bread of life. He is the way, the truth, the life. He is the light of the world. He is a miracle worker. The breath in our lungs this morning, absolute miracle. The salvation of our souls is a miracle. Our transformation is a miracle. Our sobriety is a miracle. Our freedom is a miracle. Our friendships are a miracle. Plus, Jesus has invited all of us into something that is so much bigger than just ourselves. We get to do things with our lives that will last forever. We get to touch the lives of people in profound, eternal ways. And I'm telling you, if you walked away, you would not say, I am so glad I quit following Jesus and went after the money, the cars, the fame, the highs, and the unbridled sexual exploits. All those temporary thrills that just leave a person empty. He has called you and me into a life that matters. Into a purpose that's so much bigger than our comfort. So much bigger than our appetites. So much bigger than our self. And if you would choose to unfollow Jesus, you'd just step away from real life. And Peter realized that and he says, we have come to believe and to know that you're the Holy One of God. Jesus, we've heard too much. We've seen way too much. And not just with our eyes, but with our heart. We know that you are the promised one. So if we did leave like those people are leaving right now, we'd all be back in a couple days. I mean, to whom shall we go? I've got some really close friends right now. People I love with all my heart. They've been in the hospital for a couple of months with their little girl. This little girl's so bright and so full of life and so funny and fun and creative. And she's eight years old and uh, just riding in a golf cart around her neighborhood and fell out of the golf cart and hit her head and been in a coma. One day full of life, next day in a coma. We've been praying for thousands of people around the world actually are praying for her. They're praying for a miracle, and slowly she's starting to wake up, but, man, it's, it's a tough process. It's really hard for my friends to watch their little girl like this, and there's been a ton of raw emotion. Uh, you all to read some of their posts. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. A lot of tears, a lot of honest, raw prayer, waiting for a miracle, hoping for a miracle, and seeing little ones every day. And I'm just telling you, at times, they have probably felt like hitting the unfollow button. But you know where they've landed? <laughs> to whom shall we go? Where else are we going to go? Father, even if you don't do a miraculous healing, haven't you walk with us through this, knowing that you have prepared a perfect place for our daughter someday and for us someday, you alone have the words of life. To whom shall we go? I don't know whether you've ever heard of Johnny Erickson Todd, but she turned 70 two weeks ago. She's been a quadriplegic since she was 16 years old, 54 years. Confined to a wheelchair. Uh, she's an amazing person. I mean, she didn't get the miracle everybody prayed for, but she's a miraculous person. And she paints watercolor paintings by holding a brush in her teeth. Incredible. Songwriter, started a ministry called Johnny and Friends. Uh, It's impacted so many lives. But I can remember a little poem she wrote that's been stuck in my heart for years. And she writes Though I spend my mortal lifetime in this chair, I refuse to waste it living in despair. And though others may receive gifts of healing, I believe He has given me a gift beyond compare. For heaven is nearer to me. And at times it is all I can see. Sweet music I hear coming down to my ear, and I know that it's playing for me, for I am Christ's own bride, and I will stand by his side. And he will say, shall we dance? And our endless romance will be worth all the tears that I've cried." She just landed on, to whom shall I go? And personally, when I think about all this and tough times in my life, those times when I've been so tempted just to hit the unfollow button, I think to myself, you know what, I've I've examined all the compelling evidence, all the eyewitness testimony, miracle after miracle, how Jesus fulfilled every single prophecy written thousands of years before the promised Messiah even showed up. The way he touched people in, in ways that nobody else has, the way he broke down social and racial and economic barriers that exist, the way he stood up to injustice and reached out with compassion and gave people dignity and hope, the way he spoke truth that has set me free. The way he chose to go to a cross and lay down his life because he loved me. He came back from the dead to prove that whoever believes in him would live forever too. So where else am I going to go? He alone satisfies my craving for meaning. He sustains me when my life gets hard. He gives me unexplainable peace in the middle of the chaos. He alone fills my heart, hole in my heart. He alone has the words of eternal life. I've considered all the options. To whom shall I go? How about you? You want to follow Jesus? I mean, really follow him. The invitation is open to everybody because he's the real deal. That's why John wrote, I wrote all this stuff down so that you might believe. And by believing, you could have have life in his name. And maybe you're ready to say, well, I, I believe. In fact, I've decided to follow Jesus. Because I want to know life. I want to know forgiveness. I want to have a fresh start. I want to have a clean slate. I want to live forever. I really do believe that he is the Holy One of God. And I accept this gracious invitation for forgiveness for all my sin. I accept his invitation to a new life. I accept this invitation to follow him. We're going to have communion together. We'll give you an opportunity to kind of work through this in your own heart and mind. Um, those of you that are going to pass it out, you can go ahead and and get ready to do that. But maybe you've been coming for a while, and when communion happens, because we do this every week, you you just kind of pass the tray on because you're not really sure about what it all means and, and such. But maybe today, maybe today when it stops in front of you, maybe you could take a piece of bread and a cup of juice and go, I believe I believe that he is the Holy One of God. I believe that he is the bread of heaven. I believe that his blood cleanses all sin. And maybe in this moment you can make a decision to follow him. We would love to talk to you about that as well. But I'm going to pray and uh, we're going to observe communion together and you can just talk to God during this time. Father, so grateful for uh, the miracle of life. And and Jesus, I, I keep thinking... How you you told this one guy who who had to see it, you said, you believe because you've seen, but blessed are those who have not seen, and yet they believe. And God, even though we didn't walk like Peter and John and James and Andrew and those guys every day with you, Jesus, we've we've never sat around a campfire with you. We've, We've never hugged you. We've never, you know, seen you do those, but we've seen a lot. We've seen the transformation of lives every day. God, we feel so blessed to know you. You're right when you said blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So today, as we take a piece of bread and a cup of juice, I want to thank you that your, your body, your flesh is real food. And your blood is real drink and that it washes away all of our sin. And in doing this today, God, we're just saying we believe and we will follow you. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.